I'm Sarah Schweig of the Center for Court Innovation, and today I'm speaking with David Marshall, who has just edited and released a new book called The International Rule of Law Movement, A Crisis of Legitimacy and the Way Forward. David Marshall is a senior law and policy advisor at the UN Office for Human Rights. His background is in trial work, mainly in criminal defense and death penalty cases. And he has extensive field experience in post-conflict states, including Afghanistan, Iraq, Kosovo, Nepal, and South Sudan. Thanks for speaking with me today, David. Great, thank you for the invitation. Rule of law, very, very basically, Um, as I understand it, means that individuals, institutions, and even the government itself agree to be held accountable to a code of of rules, correct? Yeah, that's about about right. (laughs) That there's uh, equality of arms, there's equity uh, in the the process, however the process is is, is defined, non-discrimination. There are some sort of core principles. um, Supremacy of law is one of them. But one thing which we'll get to, which is you know why the book is the content of the rule of law was much um, discussed in 2012 by the global community when all member states of the UN, that's the world's countries, got together to discuss the rule of law and its content. And the new book is on the international rule of law movement. So maybe you could talk about what this movement really means, sort of what you just right. mentioned, and why, as your title says, it's currently in a crisis of legitimacy. So, um, and just to make clear at the outset that, you know, obviously these are my views, these views may or not represent the organization I work for, the UN as a whole. The rule of law movement has been around forever and thus. I mean, it's probably been around for 60 years. It's um, an attempt initially by, by the West to help emerging states, those states moving away from communism, those states coming out of uh, former Yugoslavia in the 80s and the 90s, fragile states, Congo, Afghanistan. So the last 40 or 50 years has been a huge endeavor to help states reform, repair, rebuild justice systems. It's been predominantly focused on criminal justice reform. And it's been an endeavor that's had modest success at best. The movement's become an industry. I mean, up until sort of 2003, there was sort of some efforts by some countries. This country, the U.S., is a major player in this movement. But 2003 and beyond, which is sort of one of the reasons for the book, is there's been an explosion um, of activity. Uh, The consequence is you have thousands of NGOs, you have thousands of guidance materials, thousands of experts, all English-speaking, all mainly from English-speaking countries. So we have all this information about the rule of law, but we really understand so little. And I want to sort of explore in 2013 and 14, given there's been such modest success and there's been a, a, a mini-industry exploring why it's been a failure, um, it, I wanted to explore why has, notwithstanding the, 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 the modest success, why has there been this explosion, which is uh, that coupled with the 2012 declaration by, by the world's countries as to the rule of law was sort of the catalyst for the book. You've had experience on the ground in Afghanistan, Iraq, Kosovo, and other war-torn countries. What were some of the things that you observed maybe on the ground that led you to compile this, this book? I learned that the international community has a profound deficit of knowledge of where it works, whether that's Afghanistan, Iraq, or Haiti, Liberia. I mean, choose your so-called fragile state. Our knowledge around language, culture, what justice means, the deficits are profound around, around who we are and why we're there, what we're doing, and what we know about what we're right. doing. 
And that hasn't changed. That's sort of dogged the industry for decades, a knowledge deficit. And, and then secondly, an obsession with institutions. We have a lot of rhetoric around you know, supporting national ownership, nationally-led driven processes, but generally the international community tends to focus on institutions and persons working therein, as opposed to the individual. And um, so the consequence is that we are focused on institutions, institutions generally around criminal justice. So in addition to to a deficit of knowledge that's, I would suggest, profound, the other problem is that we, our theory of the, this work, the rule of law, is moored in a law and order narrative. So we generally, the international community, sees the law and order, sees rule of law through a law and order prism, and that is basically supporting police, supporting prison reform. But that's usually building prisons and, and supplying batons to police officers. And I'm not suggesting that there isn't a need in some stage for a security apparatus and support to coercive institutions clearly needed. But we seem to get stuck in that for decades. And I also think one thing I've learned is that rule of law is, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, it's truly indigenous. I mean, we have this sense that we arrive with this model called the rule of law. If you please build your institutions that look like ours, you are good to go. The evidence, I suggest, is in, and that's been a failure. Uh, And that's one thing in the book that I think is important to recognize is that it's okay to say it's been a comprehensive failure. The international community has an aversion to failure. So we can better understand when we spend $4 billion in Afghanistan of American taxpayer money over 12 years on justice reform, and the Inspector General says basically this can come to naught uh, within a year, we need to sort of really stop and think about why we're doing this. Obviously throughout the book there is some agreement and some disagreement, um, some tension in mm-hmm. perspective. Can you tell us a bit about like the ideas that you think harmonize in the book and then some of the ideas that conflict across the different essays? Well, I think one of the major ideas, I think, where there's a consensus is um, the deepening of knowledge. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche. It's right. been identified as a problem for years. But there's a great piece on when the rule of law movement meets Iraq, it meets a context where the Islamic law is applied increasing issue for the world community is, you know, we're building the rule of law in Somalia and Mali and Afghanistan. And we don't really talk enough about when the movement hits an Islamic state. And that chapter by Haider Hamoudi from Pittsburgh is terrific. And also the piece in South Sudan about, you know, sometimes these often indigenous processes, customary processes are okay, you know? And they are delivering some semblance of justice and have been for decades. So rather than trying to sort of suppress and replace these customary processes, tribal chiefs or religious shoras in Afghanistan and Iraq, what do we learn about them? The other thing is that we're all a little tired of the, 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 the rule of law. You know, it has such baggage and reference. The evidence doesn't support the rule of law will lead to you know, economic empowerment, um, more and greater human rights promotion and protection. So if we can all just sort of lower the rhetoric a bit, um, stop the rhetoric around comprehensive approaches to rule of law reform, because modest goals are obviously more achievable. Modesty, humility would be helpful. And Deborah Issa talks about identifying injustices and insecurities for the population of suffering. Let's start there. That's the conversation started. What's the major injustice in that country? And it often has nothing to do with criminal justice. Um, I think there's a little bit of tension mainly with Jim Goldston's piece, which is that the endeavor is a good faith endeavor by the international community. There have been some modest successes. It, the rhetoric is to some extent a runaway train, but all it basically needs is a bit of adjusting, more investment in, in, in knowledge and skills you know, and capacity of the, of the, of the internationals. 
That's not my view for what it's worth. The piece that was done by Todd Fogelson at Harvard is interesting because it's just a small project with reforming the prosecutor's office in Lagos in Nigeria. Uh, and I, that, that I'm coming back to the issue of modesty, where mm-hmm. you have a concrete example of where there's a small, modest project, and it's all of the success was about both modesty and about relationships and how they built over four years a relationship with the prosecutor's office um, that really helped them stress the issue of arbitrary detention, prolonged detention in, in, in Lagos. Um, and that's a really fascinating piece. The question is whether the international community, which goes big, right, is looking for the big bang of success in the rule of law. It doesn't exist. Stop looking. Um, I don't know whether the international community can, can accept modesty and humility. Time will tell. I mean, $4 billion in, in Afghanistan of taxpayers' money is a lot of money, I would suggest to you. And I wonder when people will say enough. What do you think the way forward now would be? The way forward is radical change. The way forward is basically stop the best we can, however improbable that suggestion is, to stop and digest who this community is, what they're trying to achieve, so that the objectives of this endeavor, what are the key objectives, because I say in my chapter that surely the objectives are basically human rights objectives. So we need to sort of stop, take stock of what we've done, what we're learning. I'm suggesting for the UN that we play a more strategic role, helping states think through the strategic direction of a new justice system. And that's more than law, more than human rights law. That's, in my view, the only really leveraged tool we have in our toolbox. And I think that's okay to ask these deep questions. It's whether or not the international community has the maturity and the patience to do so. Thanks so much for speaking with me today. I'm Sarah Schweig of the Center for Court Innovation. I've been speaking with David Marshall of the UN about his work in post-conflict states and his new book, The International Rule of Law Movement, A Crisis of Legitimacy in the Way Forward, through Harvard University Press. To learn more about the Center for Court Innovation, please visit us at www.courtinnovation.org. Thanks for listening.